Excerpt from Awful Disclosures of the Hotel du Nunnery of Montreal by Maria Monk. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. Awful Disclosures of the Hotel du Nunnery of Montreal by Maria Monk. But I must now come to one deed in which I had some part, and which I look back upon with greater horror and pain than any occurrences in the convent in which I was not the principal sufferer. It is not necessary for me to attempt to excuse myself in this or any other case. Those who have any disposition to judge fairly will exercise their own judgment in making allowances for me under the fear and force, the commands and examples around me. I therefore shall confine myself, as usual, to the simple narrative of facts. The time was about five months after I took the veil. The weather was cool, perhaps in September or October. One day the superior sent for me and several other nuns to receive her commands at a particular room. We found the bishop and some priests with her, and speaking in an unusual tone of fierceness and authority, she said, go to the room for the examination of conscience and drag st francis upstairs nothing more was necessary than this unusual command with the tone and manner which accompanied it to excite in me most gloomy anticipations it did not strike me as strange that st francis should be in the room to which the superior directed us it was an apartment to which we were often sent to prepare for the communion and to which we voluntarily went whenever we felt the compunctions which our ignorance of duty and the misinstructions we received inclined us to seek relief from self-reproach. Indeed, I had seen her there a little before. What terrified me was first the superior's angry manner, second the expression she used being a French term whose peculiar use I had learnt in the convent, and whose meaning is rather softened when translated into drag, Third, the place to which we were directed to take the interesting young nun, and the persons assembled there, as I supposed, to condemn her. My fears were such concerning the fate that awaited her, and my horror at the idea that she was in some way to be sacrificed, that I would have given anything to be allowed to stay where I was. But I feared the consequences of disobeying the superior, and proceeded with the rest toward the room for the examination of conscience. The room to which we were to proceed from that was in the second story, and the place of many a scene of a shameful nature. It is sufficient for me to say, after what I have said in other parts of this book, that things had there occurred which made me regard the place with the greatest disgust. St. Francis had appeared melancholy for some time. I well knew she had cause, for she had been repeatedly subject to trials, which I need not name, our common lot. When we reached the room where we had been bidden to seek her, I entered the door, my companion standing behind me, as the place was so small as hardly to hold five persons at a time. The young nun was standing alone near the middle of the room. She was probably about twenty, with light hair, blue eyes, and a very fair complexion. I spoke to her in a compassionate voice, but at the same time with such a decided manner that she comprehended my full meaning. St. Francis, we are sent for you. Several others spoke kindly to her, but two addressed her very harshly. The poor creature turned round with a look of meekness, and without expressing any unwillingness or fear, without even speaking a word, resigned herself to our hands. 
the tears came into my eyes i had not a moment's doubt that she considered her fate as sealed and was already beyond the fear of death she was conducted or rather hurried to the staircase which was near by and then seized by her limbs and clothes and in fact almost dragged upstairs in the sense the superior had intended i laid my own hands upon her i took hold of her too more gently indeed than some of the rest yet i encouraged and assisted them in carrying her i could not avoid it my refusal would not have saved her nor prevented her from being carried up it would only have exposed me to some severe punishment as i believed some of my companions would have seized the first opportunity to complain of me all the way up the staircase st francis spoke not a word nor made the slightest resistance when we entered with her the room to which she was ordered my heart sunk within me the bishop the lady superior and five priests viz bonin richards savage and two others i now ascertained were assembled for her trial on some charge of great importance when we had brought our prisoner before them father richards began to question her and she made ready but calm replies i cannot pretend to give a connected account of what ensued my feelings were wrought up to such a pitch that i knew not what i did nor what to do i was under a terrible apprehension that if i betrayed the feelings which almost overcame me i should fall under the displeasure of the cold-blooded persecutors of my poor innocent sister and this fear on the one hand with the distress i felt for her on the other rendered me almost frantic as soon as i entered the room i had stepped into a corner on the left of the entrance where i might partially support myself by leaning against the wall between the door and the window this support was all that prevented me from falling to the floor for the confusion of my thoughts was so great that only a few of the words i heard spoken on either side made any lasting impression upon me i felt as if struck with some insupportable blow and death would not have been more frightful to me i am inclined to the belief that father richards wished to shield the poor prisoner from the severity of her fate by drawing from her expressions that might bear a favorable construction he asked her among other things if she was not sorry for what she had been overheard to say for she had been betrayed by one of the nuns and if she would not prefer confinement in the cells to the punishment which was threatened her but the bishop soon interrupted him and it was easy to perceive that he considered her fate as sealed and was determined she should not escape in reply to some of the questions put to her she was silent to others i heard her voice reply that she did not repent of words she had uttered though they had been reported by some of the nuns who had heard them that she still wished to escape from the convent and that she had firmly resolved to resist every attempt to compel her to the commission of crimes which she detested she added that she would rather die than cause the murder of harmless babes that is enough finish her said the bishop two nuns instantly fell upon the young woman and in obedience to directions given by the superior prepared to execute her sentence she still maintained all the calmness and submission of a lamb some of those who took part in this transaction i believe were as unwilling as myself but of others i can safely say that i believe they delighted in it their conduct certainly exhibited a most bloodthirsty spirit but above all others present and above all human fiends i ever saw i think saint hippolyte was the most diabolical she engaged in the horrid task with all alacrity and assumed from choice the most revolting parts to be performed she seized a gag forced it into the mouth of the poor nun 
and when it was fixed between her extended jaws so as to keep them open at their greatest possible distance took hold of the straps fastened at each end of the stick crossed them behind the helpless head of the victim and drew them tight through the loop prepared as a fastening the bed which had always stood in one part of the room still remained there though the screen which had usually been placed before it and which was made of thick muslin with only a crevice through which a person behind might look out had been folded up on its hinges in the form of a w and placed in a corner on the bed the prisoner was laid with her face upward and then bound with cords so that she could not move in an instant another bed was thrown upon her one of the priests named bonin sprung like a fury first upon it and stamped upon it with all his force he was speedily followed by the nuns until there were as many upon the bed as could find room and all did what they could not only to smother but to bruise her some stood up and jumped upon the poor girl with their feet some with their knees and others in different ways seemed to seek how they might best beat the breath out of her body and mangle it without coming in direct contact with it or seeing the effects of their violence during this time my feelings were almost too strong to be endured i felt stupefied and scarcely was conscious of what i did still fear for myself remained in a sufficient degree to induce me to some exertion and i attempted to talk to those who stood next partly that i might have an excuse for turning away from the dreadful scene after the lapse of fifteen or twenty minutes and when it was presumed that the sufferer had been smothered and crushed to death father bonin and the nuns ceased to trample upon her and stepped from the bed all was motionless and silent beneath it they then began to laugh at such inhuman thoughts as occurred to some of them rallying each other in the most unfeeling manner and ridiculing me for the feelings which i in vain endeavoured to conceal they alluded to the resignation of our murdered companion and one of them tauntingly said she would have made a good catholic martyr after spending some moments in such conversation one of them asked if the corpse should be removed the superior said it had better remain a little while after waiting a short time longer the feather bed was taken off the cords unloosed and the body taken by the nuns and dragged downstairs i was informed that it was taken into the cellar and thrown unceremoniously into the hole which i have already described covered with a great quantity of lime and afterwards sprinkled with a liquid of the properties and name of which i am ignorant this liquid i have seen poured into the hole from large bottles after the necks were broken off and have heard that it is used in france to prevent the effluvia rising from cemeteries i did not soon recover from the shock caused by this scene indeed it still recurs to me with most gloomy impressions the next day there was a melancholy aspect over everything and recreation time passed in the dullest manner scarcely anything was said above a whisper i never heard much said afterward about st francis i spoke with one of the nuns a few words one day but we were all cautioned not to expose ourselves very far and could not place much reliance in each other the murdered nun had been brought to her shocking end through the treachery of one of our number in whom she confided i never knew with certainty who had reported her remarks to the superior but suspicion fastened on one and i never could regard her but with detestation i was more inclined to blame her than some of those employed in the execution for there could have been no necessity for the betrayal of her feelings we all knew how to avoid exposing each other i was often sent by the superior to overhear what was said by novices and nuns 
when they seemed to shun her she would say go and listen they are speaking english and though i obeyed her i never informed against them if i wished to clear my conscience i would go to a priest to confess knowing that he dared not communicate what i said to any person and that he would not impose his heavy penances as the superior we were always at liberty to choose another confessor when we had any sin to confess which we were unwilling to tell one to whom we should otherwise have gone not long after the murder just related a young woman came to the nunnery and asked for permission to see st francis it was my former friend with whom i had been as an assistant teacher miss louise bousquet of saint denis from this i supposed the murdered nun might have come from that town or its vicinity the only answer returned to the inquiry was that st francis was dead some time afterward some of st francis's friends called to inquire after her and they were told that she had died a glorious death and further told that she had made some heavenly expressions which were repeated in order to satisfy her friends End of excerpt from Awful Disclosures of the Hotel du Nunnery of Montreal by Maria Monk Recording by Colleen McMahon